The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jess Navarez, joined alongside Aisha Morrison and Christy Scales. We are here at the beautiful Star in Frisco, a very hot day out at the practice field, which we'll get into a little bit later. But the Dallas Cowboys going to seize their opportunity uh, as the Dallas Cowboys, well, Mike McCarthy rather, announced the 2023 theme of the season. Let's jump right into it. Carpe Omnia, everybody. If you have not heard yet, that is your Dallas Cowboys 2023 theme of the season. What does that mean? Seize everything. So Carpe Diem, a very common term. I feel like that one's a little bit more mainstream, if you will, Carpe Diem. Yeah, thanks to Dead Poet Society. There sure, we all remember that. Carpe Diem, seize the day. Carpe Diem But that's is, not enough. It, no, it's more not than enough the day. to seize the day. You got to seize everything. Ladies, let's talk about this theme. I know we are very high on the theme. We were very high on the resiliency theme last season. Christy, what did you get out of Mike McCarthy making this announcement and picking this theme of Carpe Omnia? Well, one of the things that was at the team meeting this morning, and so um, there's also a new big logo, and it's in the hallway as the players leave their locker room and walk to the practice field so they uh, see a picture of it. We're going to talk about some of the symbols involved in just a moment. But um, one of the things that McCarthy talked about was the fact that, and Jess is holding up a photo right now of the big board. So they they walk under that uh, each day several times. So he said that one of the props that he used, one of the visuals, was an empty picture frame, Hmm. meaning make what you want, what what are you going to put into that frame this season, not only individually as a player, but collectively as a team? And what do you think, Aisha? Does that, does that visual work for you? And uh, did you find that motivating or talking to the players today? You think they're buying into this? Oh, yeah. I mean, just the when you talk about season, the moment, and we've heard these players, even Micah, talk about just like at the end of last season after that 49ers game, how they were in the locker room. And you come to the realization that, you know, there might be changes. There's guys in this locker room we might not see anymore. And so when you're talking about season the moment, it's looking at this team, how it's been orchestrated, put together. Season this moment with how good this team on both sides of the ball is important. So I I really feel like well, with the picture frame thing is putting in there, like they can envision. I think Micah talked about mm-hmm. the manifesting and envisioning sometimes the plays that he sees the night before and sees himself making them. I, I think it's healthy, and it also allows these guys guys to to put into what their future is they have the it's it's their moment their moment it's a reminder of that yeah and beyond the field too right that's something Brandon Cooks and the guys were talking about Mm -hmm. that the theme from McCarthy was more than just on the football field but off the football Mm -hmm. field as well and I think Brandon Cooks put it very well when he said uh you know it's 
it's football, it's family, it's knowing the why, not only for yourself, but of your teammate. Love they it. plan for their family, they have young yep. kids, what is it? And so I, th- I thought that was very powerful. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to your point about the picture frame. So it's going to be a frame outside with the team room, an empty frame, and in the press conference, I want to get this correct, and now I say it. So Mike McCarthy said, quote, a picture says a thousand words. But the reality is an empty frame is everything because of all the possibilities and capabilities in what's in front of us. We're going to do every single thing, every single day we can possibly do for that frame to be part of the history and tradition of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. So it's very symbolic of them filling up their cup and making their mark and putting that picture frame and taking it and putting it in the history books really is what it is. Um, what I really liked about it is talking to the guys in the locker room. Uh, the way Mike McCarthy announces this is it's not, I, I asked him too, you were right there, uh, Christy, when I asked him, I said, does it ever get old? How do you do? And he said, it's not some grand announcement. We just kind of have a talk and we talk about the why. And he said, <laughs> he said, you know, he used to be a theme. Uh, I forget how he said it. He, he used to be a weekly theme kind of guy. And when we were all talking about it, he mentioned uh, somebody asked him in the in the scrum, hey, have you did you ever use Carpe Diem before? Because that's a more well-known theme like we're talking about. And he said, I used to I did once. He said back in 2010, week of the Super Bowl, he used to do weekly themes at uh, it was then Cowboy Stadium, now AT&T Stadium. When the Packers went to the Super Bowl, ended up winning. That was his theme back in 2010 was Carpe Diem, which was seize the moment. So talking to the guys in the locker room. They didn't know that little nugget. And so I I told a couple of guys, just to put in perspective of how much this really means to Mike McCarthy to give you guys this theme and give this team this theme, they were very taken back. I mean, there was a couple of guys that went, whoa, really? And I said, yeah, go ask him. He'll tell you. Carpe Diem was the theme in 2010, the week of his Super Bowl win uh, as the Packers head coach. So I think it's a really cool um, thing for all of them. I, I think they all really liked it. And... Christy, there, there's some questions circulating on Twitter, and I knew you would <laughs> dig to the bottom of this for us, yeah. because there's a little warrior symbol uh, that's on the mural outside the locker room, like you said, and then on the hoodies that were given and to the, the guys. Backs of the sh- the and the backs of the shirts. And the backs of the shirts. Yeah. What is this warrior that we're seeing everywhere? Mystery solved. All right. Be our Nancy Drew for us. Okay. It is a guru from India from the early 1600s. It's a Sikh. And it's the double swords. And so it's, uh, and my apologies for uh, possibly mispronouncing this, but it's Guru Hargobind. And uh, he is the one that constructed the immortal throne. He was uh, uh, became the Sikh guru at the age of 11, inheriting his father's pious legacy and the misery of the oppressed masses. And so he had this army of saint soldiers. And so they were fighting tyranny. Uh, they destroyed evil. And what was historic about it was, you know, he he welcomed soldiers from all castes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from society. But one of the players, and I don't want to say who, because I don't know if coach would want uh, this person sharing information from their notebook from the the, the team meeting. But <laughs> but once um, they said, yeah, he was 11 years old. He was this guru and he was the first to use the double swords. And and but yeah, it's it's a it's a guru from uh, the early 1600s in India. Wow. But <laughs> see, Christy played Nancy Drew there you today go. in the locker room and that's yeah. amazing. And and then for when we're saying carpe omnia, I'll tell you what uh coach told the players because as we were leaving the scrum, I was teasing 
Coach McCarthy, I'm like, man, got to break out my Latin phrase book and find out how to spell this. And he says, Omnia. It's like Omni Hotel with an A. Omnia. That's how it's spelled. So if you're trying to tell this story to your uh, friends and family members who are, are cowboy fans, Carpe Omnia. Speaking of friends and family, uh, something that I learned in the locker room, Aisha and I were just talking about this, and I'll defer to you to talk about you know this as well, Aisha, is within this announcement video that was showed to the players during their team meeting, mm-hmm. not only was there the warrior and the explanation of what that symbolizes, but there was also pictures of friends and family, loved ones of the players within that announcement, giving them their why. And that goes back to really tying this with a bow. Aisha, I'm going to go to you for this question specifically. When you talk to some of the guys in the locker room about this announcement, what was the feel of it? How are they feeling about it? What did you really gather from them after really hearing this this morning and they've had time to sit on it? Well, it's a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. And you can feel talking to the players and also to just there's a calmness about them, but there's also you can still feel the intensity from them and touching base with quite a few of them. Some of them, their families being there at this game and the first game and to start the game means a lot to them. But I can tell you this this game with your family and and. The, the they're sacrificing this game. They're sacrificing this game. So I can empathize with a lot of them with being away from their families, the, the, the brutal, the physical part of it, the mental strain. Sometimes you do just need a reminder. Sometimes you do just need to see your why up there in, in this capacity and then for everyone to see. I think, I think it was healthy for everyone to see each other's why, each other's reasons why they're doing this and playing this game because there's – there's just there's there's a lot of brutal parts about this game and one of it is being separated from your family and the sacrifice that you make to do this. So I thought it was healthy and again, like I said, I think it's very healthy to be reminded yeah. of that sometimes. Well, with your military background and yeah, serving can, overseas, you can, have a better idea yeah. than those of us who've never served our country. Yeah, I the relate way you have. to it. I relate to a lot of I mean, even talking to some of the players mm-hmm. after training camp, being away for that three weeks, you don't you know, I guess you just don't think of it being a big deal, but for that your family, your friends, your people who are back home waiting for you, it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. And so I think it's just healthy for those guys to, to hone in on their reasons. And it just really ties back into Mike McCarthy talking about in OTAs, the purpose, the why. That has been something, a common a thing this whole yeah. time. It's a reoccurring thing. And when you have a young roster, like there, there's some older gentlemen in this locker room. No offense, y'all, but then there are also two <laughs> seasoned. Um, seasoned. There I you forgot. Go. There's some seasoned gentlemen in this locker room, but there, this is one of the younger locker rooms. They're developing a lot of these guys, so you see some of these guys starting to have families and 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 grow up yeah. and become men. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think I think it's a healthy dynamic. Yeah. I also team. think it is important to note that they are young, and these are like early 20s guys I mean you think about what you were doing in your early 20s being away from your friends and family especially if you grew up close to them and living close to them that's a really hard adjustment to do and so when you t- when you hear these guys talking about this is my family it genuinely is their family mm-hmm. they go to them for things outside of even the football field life their kids their wives everybody really connects and I, I think this theme just it, it fits this roster so perfectly yeah. Christy I want to ask you this because you've been covering this team for a while. You're seasoned in this, right? Thirty-three years that, is that know. seasoned? Uh, you're, you're in your Demone Clark. You're in your oh Demone Clark year. Oh wow! Um, okay, that makes it sound better. Yeah, Thank you. We'll, we'll say that. Thank you. So, 
when we talked last year about the Cowboys roster and the potential that they had, I remember there was a time we were all walking and we said, Christy, have you felt the team be like it is right now? And this is right before the playoffs. I remember you said, no, it's been a while since the team has felt like this going into this year. What does the team feel like for you in terms of other teams you've covered during your tenure here with the Cowboys? Got a great feeling about it. Mm. The additions that have been made. Hey, there's so much roster turnover every year, and it's not always young guys. It's guys like Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks coming in, Chuma Mm -hmm. Adoga. We're going to talk about him a little later in in regards to uh, injuries along the offensive line. But Mike McCarthy mentioned it today in his press conference. 35% 35% different, the roster right now from last year, turnover percentage, 35%. But, um, yeah, there's there's great leadership with the guys that have come in. But in the why thing, I, I want to I share a story about yeah. that, if I may. Last week, early in the week, Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News did the wonderful story on Wanye Thomas, mm, the mm, Cowboys' safety, who story. was one of the stars of camp. And when Wanye was four years old, and he's the youngest of five children, um, he he and his siblings and his mom basically had to live out of their car because um, the father had uh, set the house on fire. And so obviously it shaped Wanye's not only, you know, even today going back, um, looking at that, but the hero that his mom was to to get the kids and the family through all of this. Well, that same afternoon that that the story came out last week, um, I was walking out of the locker room and I saw Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator. I said, Dan, have you seen the story, Michael's story in the morning news about Wanye? He says, no. I said, I said, it's about overcoming adversity. And he's like, can you forward it to me? And so I forwarded him uh, the, the story and he texted, excuse me, emailed right back and said, this is so great. Thank you. And then um, very inspiring. And then when I saw him the next day, I was like, man, that's really something what Wanye's family has overcome. He's like, yeah. And uh, he says, I, I didn't know that particular part of the story, but Thank you for sending it because now I know his why. Mm. Same on, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Oh, that yeah. gave me chills. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And and there's uh and, and the part that you're saying about the young players, Tyron Smith is one is one of the old guys now. But when he was drafted in the first round out of USC, he didn't play his full four years. When he arrived here, he was twenty years old. Wow. His birthday is mid December. He did not turn twenty one years old until like ten games into or twelve games into his rookie year. He could not legally buy a beer in the stadium where he played as a professional <laughs> athlete until three quarters of the way through the wow. season. So these guys are babies mm-hmm. when they uh, arrive. I also want to point out, and we'll take our, our first break after this, but I want to point out how important it is to have a coaching staff that cares about their players. Why? Because you just mentioned Dan Quinn saying, well, now I know his why. Mike McCarthy, we just talked about Aisha, it being a reoccurring theme to why it's so important. And you know, you're talking about um, just this this story with Wanye. My brain's going back to Demarcus Ware in his Hall of Fame speech when he talked about you know his story with his uncle and and how he was traumatized from that and he used that uh, football to really drain everything out. He was playing for a why. He had his why, sure. but back then it really wasn't as public, right? And I, I think a beautiful part of 
this coaching staff and this um, culture here within the building is that these players want to share their why because they feel comfortable enough to do it. And it's just, again, a healthy work environment. For them. Yeah. And, and when you say work environment, let's also credit the entire organization, yes. the Jones family uh, and the staff. They do a wonderful job here, the coaching staff. But I'll give an example again, pulling back the curtain, go behind the scenes. Earlier this week, the Dallas Cowboys Women's Association, so that's the wives and significant others of the players and coaches, they had their first meeting of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Whitney Whitney Faulkner, uh, Emily Robbins, Allie Chrisman, and Dallas Cowboys Community Relations helped facilitate that. But um, everyone understands what we were talking about earlier about the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice that players are making for their families. But just like military Aisha, it's the families it's that make the sacrifice yeah. so that the husbands, sons, you know, can pursue their dream of playing in the NFL. And so I, I just wanted to point that out. They, yeah. there, there are weekly Bible studies that are not mandatory, but available, of course, for um, the wives, excuse me, the women's association. And so there Good are all stuff. sorts of things that happen behind the scenes to facilitate that uh, inclusive, uh, what we would say, culture here with the Cowboys. I love that. Christy, always having good insight. We're going to take our first break, but if you want to start texting us your questions at 817-290-3298, we would love to hear from you. We are talking all about the injury report from today's practice and what we saw at practice. Coming up after this break, this is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola a journey to Foodopia. Burgers, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation. So you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about today's injury report and what we saw at practice. But first, experience the feeling of game day every day at the Miller Lighthouse at the Star. Now open just steps away from the Tostitos Championship Plaza, the Miller Lighthouse features a cooler full of grab-and-go beverages and snacks, tailgate games, and a recharging lounge. Of course, uh, a Dallas Cowboys photo op and 
even um, more than that. For more information, for more information, you can visit the star in Frisco.com slash Miller Lighthouse there. All right, ladies, let's go down this practice report real quick. Please text us your questions if you have any 817-290-3298. Practice report for the day. Nothing really surprising. Tyler Smith did not participate. Donovan Wilson did not participate. Sam Williams did not participate. And then Jordan Lewis, full participant. Um, there is your Dallas Cowboys injury report for the day. However, let's talk about what we saw. Um, Tyler Smith didn't see him in the allotted time slot media was allowed to be out there. Donovan Wilson, we saw him with the resistance uh, ropes once again, working with Sam Williams, also with the resistance ropes. Mm-hmm. Christy, is there anything else that you're hearing as far as Tyler, Dono, Sam? I mean, really anything to throw out there. Well, we just need point. to be blunt. It's not good if, if uh, Tyler Smith isn't practicing today. And Donovan Wilson, remember, his uh, calf injury was the very first practice at training camp. So yeah. he's had zero work, um, really, other than the first few minutes of the first practice of, of training camp. But, yeah, when you're on the side with Britt Brown doing the uh, resistance, it, those are the, look like the bungee cords, uh, uh, then – on a Wednesday, then I'm not saying Tyler Smith is going to be ruled out, but it doesn't look good for Donovan Wilson. And turf toe is a thing that can be for a long time. So with Sam Williams, him not practicing, that doesn't look good either for uh, Sunday night. But, um, you know, Chuma Adoga is a guy who uh, missed uh, part of uh, – preseason and training camp with his own injury but he did he's a fifth year player the Cowboys acquired him in free agency this year uh he did start two games at guard for the Falcons last year so if you're going to go with a veteran in place of Tyler Smith if he's not ready for Sunday then uh we may see Adoga not only making his Cowboy debut Sunday night but possibly making it in the starting lineup in place of Smith yeah, and the thing about the these injuries that you're talking about, the, the turf toe, anything hamstring related, is I I distinctly remember seeing plenty of times through the, through different seasons players having a hammy tweak and it bothers them the whole season. So it's one of those things where it's it's this is a long season. It's a seventeen game season and that's not even including the playoffs. So I, I believe that they're definitely trying to be very precautionary about how they handle it and also making the decision on it, is it necessary? Is it necessary going up against this offense? Can we find different ways to to work around it? Yeah. Now now that defensive Ooh, line yeah. <laughs> that defensive, Dexter Lawrence yeah, and that interior, Leonard Williams. Yeah, that interior is the the Giants' strength defensively, so I do understand. Like I, I'm not gonna sit up and act like I'm not concerned, but I also will say it is a divisional game too. But I also will say that there seems to be some faith in what Chuma Doga is possibly able to do there at that yeah, left guard spot. Yeah, but the only thing is Adoga, he got so much of his work in camp and all season at tackle. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because he's let's be frank, coming into the season, he was probably slotted as your swing tackle, tracking that, and so now he's. You know, might be starting to go. So, would you be more comfortable? So, asking you then, saying how much work that Austin Richards actually did get at left guard in the preseason and left tackle, would you be more comfortable maybe even seeing him? Or is Mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? They may both get a chance to play if if Smith Smith doesn't play. But honestly, that's something we'll be Nancy Drewing over Uh the next uh, couple of days uh, (laughs) to to figure out whether it's. (laughs) Uh, whether it's a doga or 
um, possibly awesome Richards. But yeah. see, Richards it, getting work, he he may end up being your swing tackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I talked to him today in the locker room. I talked to Awesome. Um, he's always really great to catch up with. And um, so well spoken. Such yeah. a yeah. nice. Mm-hmm just guy to talk to he's very smart and he's just very calm and confident um I did get to talk to him a little bit kind of asked how he was doing how he was adjusting I haven't talked to him really since media day that was the last time I got to catch up with him and I asked him how are you feeling because keep in mind Austin Richards comes from Philadelphia area so during media days he he was telling me he was really pumped for the Philadelphia game right (laughs) so I said you know coming from that area and and possibly that fandom I won't I won't rat him out if, if he was or, or not. Um, but I said, you have the appreciation for the NFC East division as a whole. And the one thing that Eagles and, and Cowboys have in common is, uh, well, two things, I should say, the Commanders and the Giants. And when that game week is there, it's really the same feeling. And he said, oh, I'm pumped. I mean, you should have seen this guy. He was he was kind of sitting back just talking to me. And then he just he got up and he was really animated when he was talking about it. And I said... So would you feel confident if you had to get more in the rotation? He said, I've been ready. Yeah. So um, what I like about Awesome is his arms. He uses his arms very well. I, I... I would feel more confident with Awesome in in the mix more than anything right now with any other option. And again, you're talking about the draft and develop mentality. You need those real-life reps and opportunities to really get there and to establish. And Mike, Mike McCarthy's huge on that. So That's, my, that's me ripping if, off the Band-Aid. If anything, there you go. You, you just do it. And, and if Tyler Smith is not available, you have to trust in your young guys. They've said that day in, day out. He's right there. He's waiting. So mm-hmm. there we go. There's that. Um, any other things that we noticed at practice today? Uh, anything else that really stood out to you ladies while you were out there? Uh, Other than it being scorching hot? Uh, Jordan Lewis. Um, seeing his movement, I've really been just paying attention to how comfortable he looks breaking, um, planting, uh, and just how fast he looks and see if any if his speed has been hindered at all and having the opportunity to see him go stride for stride and be, I told him, I was like, is this the return of, of, of Velcro? Because that's what they used to call him in college when he was in Michigan, they called him uh, Velcro. Because so, he sticks to everybody. Yeah, he's sticky in coverage, a hip pocket type of player. And it was just good to see him confident. Uh, today and this is one of the first opportunities I think that he's been a full participant so that's what I was looking for for him I know it's going to be a, like a, a a ramp up to some degree like as far as the snaps he gets in games and stuff but to see him look comfortable today was something I was really looking for Christine, yeah. is there anything you noticed? No, when I, you were out there? Yeah, I think that that was huge. I mean, Deron Bland is still your first team yes. uh, slot corner mm-hmm. but to have Jordan Lewis available presumably i mean that and what it's like terrence Steele, the work that Mm -hmm. they have done to come back from these injuries so relatively quickly Mm -hmm. and be ready for the regular season opener it really is and we mentioned Britt brown earlier he's uh, on been with the cowboys athletic training staff for 30 years and director of rehabilitation is his fancy title now (laughs) but um he He's like a magician. Well, you know what I say that it's not magic. It's diligence. It's hard work. 
um, not just by Britt, but certainly by the players. And uh, a lot of dedication and patience, which is the hard part, right? <laughs> you ask any of the guys and they'll tell you that coming back from injury, the mental part, the emotional part is usually more difficult or as difficult as the physical part. But kudos to those guys for making themselves ready. Absolutely. And we talk about that too, is when you're in a ramp up phase, and I love that Mike McCarthy put so much emphasis on this. It's not just about physically ramping up, right? It's important because you don't want to re-injure anything, especially when it's a soft tissue injury that's that's a really tight rope to be walking on but he talks about the mental aspect of it and that's why you even go back to camp you, you talk about luke schoonmaker who before he could participate he was doing mental reps there on the side while he was watching the actual play go through he was doing the mental reps to get his mentals ready um and it's really interesting talking to him now in the locker room got to, i catch up with that room as much as i can they're just such a we talked about this they're such a fun room to go talk to but talk to schoon kind of seeing where his mind is and he he feels ready. He, he said he feels good, feels ready. Um, but I think it's so important. Again, we are not trying to be homers when we talk about, you know, this coaching staff and, and the things they're doing, but it's just a fact of, it's so important to have a coaching staff that brings light to the mental health awareness within this team and the mental ability to bounce back from injuries. Because I don't think a lot of people think of that aspect. They think, Oh, he's a football player. He's just going to go back into it. But really really it's it's a mental fight to go back into the game more than more than physical at, at some point right when your body's ready is your mind and and a lot of these guys are really aware of that and they help each other too uh when it comes down to that Aisha I wanted to ask you you had really good locker room talks today mm-hmm. what are some of the good nuggets as you would say uh that you got out of the locker room today that you think is just good to put out there anything that uh you want to make sure to mention oh uh, well one of my favorite interactions was being able to touch base with the linebacker core today and uh just kind of talk to them briefly about uh this matchup and uh some of the things that daniel jones brings to the table and one thing that he did i mean he he had about 100 yards between the last the last two meetings um from a running standpoint, uh, Brian Dayball, one thing that he's incorporated into this Giants offense is the RPO in, in the, the play action and just a lot of the misdirection and stuff. So the quarterback can, you know, have that ability to get plays. And Daniel Jones in that first game, he, he made the Cowboys play. Pe- pay plenty of times with giving him grass and open field he's tall he's athletic he's a lot faster than what he you know is presumed to be and um that matchup to me is important because like I said there's plenty of times he he will take advantage of you know grass being in front of him and talking to Damone Clark it seems like they're very aware of that and that's something that they want to improve on as as um as opposed to last year because he was able to get them a couple times last year. So also talking to Leighton Van Der Esch, he looks sprightly and fast and noticeably leaner, way leaner. And so I asked him, I said, did you change your regiment? Did you do anything different? He was like, yeah. And similar to Tank, how we talked to him, he's he's aware that he's, you know, he's aging in his career and you know the the where to have the wherewithal to say okay I have to change things even though they might be different than what I've done six seven years to this point he changed his diet changed some of his regiment and you can see his body being leaned out and you can see how much faster he looks on on the field so I I just think that linebacker core especially uh the second level of the defense is going to be important going into this game because you have a quarterback that can escape and make you pay 
Yeah, I can't wait to see how Leighton Vanderish is utilized uh, now that we're in the regular season, having him line up, you know, standing up off the edge and mm-hmm. rushing off the edge because yes. uh, we did see some of that in training camp or, you know, coming up, I call it mugging when you're over the A gap, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, looking for a pass rush and like over the center kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a fantastic season. He's also somebody that Micah was talking to the media today, kind of catching up. He was asked about the linebacker room. And Micah said that linebacker room falls under uh, Leighton Landrush and mm-hmm. all of the things that for he sure. does for that room. And Leighton, you know, he's somebody that I talked to at camp because he was noticeably leaner. And you could see him talking to Damone specifically at camp just after every snap, really, they would go and they'd convene and they they really are. And what I loved is I I think I mentioned this on the podcast when it had happened, but I, I stick by this because I think it's so important. Sean Lee, when Sean Lee was here, took Leighton under his wing to give him advice and and be that guy for him. And Sean had told him back then, you just do it for the next guy. And so Leighton really took that to heart. He said he met Damone, and uh, Damone told me when he was going through his rehab, there wasn't a day that Leighton didn't go in there to check on him and talk to him and be there for him. So that way, now that they're on the field together, the time's finally come, they're both ready to get going, they already have that established chemistry. They know that each other's nuances. They know their verbal, nonverbal cues, and I think the nonverbal cues are such an important part of this game that aren't talked about enough. I mean, we do it here on the podcast you do it at work with people that you work with. For them on the field, it is a difference between making a play and not making a play. And those two, the connection that they have and the ability to communicate is just, it is so beyond noticeable. I'm so excited for both of them. Yeah, that 3-3 is going to have a big year. Yep. That 3-3, <laughs> he seems like he's primed to have a really Had good a great year. camp. Yeah, he did. he's flying around. You can tell he's confident. And to your point, Jess, he he and Leighton took a lot of time this off season to spend time with each other. To you know, to pour into each other. And it's that linebacker, the linebacker core, the starters specifically. I think you you have some good guys out there. Absolutely. Let's take our next break. Text us your questions at eight one seven two nine zero three two nine eight. We would love to answer any questions you have. Coming up, we're going to give you a little bit of a game preview uh, to Sunday's game. We're going to talk about how the Giants have to plan this game a little bit differently around what they're working with against the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back. This is Girls Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip with its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans. It's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Text us your questions at 817-290-3298. We're going to talk a little bit of Sunday night's game. But first, a fan favorite, Market at the Star, presented by Flea Style, will take place on Saturday, September 9th from 10 to 4 p.m. out on the Tostitos Championship Plaza. Come shop from 50-plus local makers, offering art, fashion, decor, and more at this free outdoor market. To visit thestardistrict.com for more information. Okay, get those questions in. We're going to talk a little bit of Giants preview. We're really going to get heavy into that on the podcast tomorrow, so something to look forward to there uh, as well. But, Aisha, something that we wanted to talk about yesterday, we didn't get around to it, wanted to make sure it got the spotlight today. You brought up a really solid, solid point, and the way your mind just so effortlessly works to think of these football points is crazy. Uh, You're a football genius, but... You talked about this being a lot of the guys' first games. Yeah. First game, right? So we, we, we talked about this. I wanted to make sure we talk about this because you named specific guys. Deron Bland, Damone Clark, um, a, a lot of guys. Talk about kind of where your mind went with that, what that means, and how that's going to be significant, not just for rookies, because we're not just talking rookies here. Mm-hmm. How is it significant for other guys even that I didn't mention? Yeah, it's it's his first, first game, you know, because Deron Bland didn't come in until, I want to say maybe it was week three, week yeah. two, where he just got thrust into the into the, into the the game. And then also, too, uh, Damone Clark is another guy. This is his first, first game of the season. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert, another mm-hmm. one, first, first game of the season. And it seems like a small thing, but the nerves that guys have, you know, you've watched the games over the course of a Sunday, the first game of the year. Guys got to get their nerves out. You can see it sometimes, or you just see them firing on all cylinders. But also, too, touching base with them, a lot of their their families are going to be there or are able to be present. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I honestly thought about it just because it's, it's something that's significant that I think it is to them. It's their first, first game. It's a different feel. It's high intensity. It's it's. I, I think it's a marker for them. And it, it and to your point, I think Christy mentioned that Mike McCarthy was saying just the preparation for the first first game is different. Well, a first game of the season is different too. Um, Christy, do you have any insight on just how different it feels for these players maybe well, the first time? Yeah, I think the preparation has to do more with like the unscouted looks. And, Tracking. Mm-hmm. and like we were talking about yesterday, 35% coach uh, – uh, surmises of what they're going to see on Sundays unscouted. They haven't prepared for it just mm-hmm. because there are new wrinkles uh, going into every season. Um, Brandon Aubrey was asked about that, the Cowboys rookie first, kicker. First and he says, yeah, first, first game. But, you know, I had a first game in MLS. I had a <laughs> I had a first game for USFL. So, yeah, even though I'm a rookie, I have had to do this professionally before. Now, you could – you know, the people whose glasses are half empty instead of half full would say that was the USFL and that was MLS and this is Sunday night football, <laughs> the most popular sport in America, America's team and all of that. But I, I think there's something to it for a guy like Aubrey, who uh, very serious minded, steady Eddie uh, and um, has had professional uh, experience before. So but a guy like Jalen Tolbert, you know, remember mm. he he wasn't a he was inactive mm-hmm. 
And you'd be surprised. Jalen told us this the other night, and so many players don't know this when they come into the league, that there are inactives in the NFL. Yeah. And he was told, you're going to be inactive. It's like, huh? You know, what is what is that? Yeah. And so, you know, it was Dennis Houston who got the opportunity last year. A guy like Noah right. Brown, uh, week two, you know, big game and taking advantage. So, um, yeah, but – and the fact that it's Sunday night and a division opponent, yeah. it just, it, just gives it, it gives it more juice. I yeah. want to make sure to mention, because you're talking about Brandon Aubrey, and we have um, these awesome packets that Cowboys PR uh, makes for us. But I wanted to mention this little nugget, if you will, about him. It says, if he makes a field goal, Aubrey will become the ninth Cowboys rookie to make a field goal in his NFL debut. The last Cowboys rookie kicker to make a field goal in his last NFL debut was none other than Dan Bailey, who also made it at MetLife Stadium while playing the New York Jets, though, on 9-11-11. So, little oh, fun yeah. fact there. I, uh, what I remember about that game, it was the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, and so we have the opener there. And they, there was so much to commemorate the 10-year sure. anniversary from, you know, it had just happened across the river, you know, World Trade Center uh, 10 years earlier. But you t they Robert De Niro was there to do a reading. Uh, Billy Chris, I mean, oh, my gosh, the m most iconic of New York celebrities were right. there and it, it was very solemn, you know, before uh, the game and stuff like that. So, so that, that game totally stands out in my Sticks mind. Sticks out in your mind. Mm -hmm. Something that uh, we wanted to talk about today too was yeah. Christy, I'm going to defer back to you and uh, Aisha, you can bounce off of that too, is what the defensive staff is expecting from the giants and other opponents offenses in terms of the plan of attack. What did you get? Out of that yeah, it was interesting to say that they're they're expecting run. I mean, Saquon Barkley, right? The, the two two of the Pro Bowlers forget? on off, you know, with the left tackle and <laughs> uh, Saquon Barkley having his uh, career year last year. But it's the fact that um, unscouted looks, but basically you're going off reputation. That's what the staff is saying. So the reputation for the Cowboys defense. What what were they best at last year? Pass rush and taking the ball away. So if you're an offense, you're going to rely on the run game to take the pressure off with that pass rush, but also um, uh, do a lot of play action passes. Mm -hmm. What is a play action pass? That's where you see the quarterback pretend to hand the ball, faking the handoff, keeping it, and then throwing the ball. So uh, the Cowboys think they're going to get a heavy run and a lot of play action. Why is play action important? What are they trying to do when they fake that handoff? It's just that hesitation, just that little bit, little bit of a sick, not only with the, the pass rushers of a defensive end or a defensive tackle is coming in. Did he hand the ball off or not? But also in coverage, those linebackers are looking. Mm -hmm. Is it a handoff or not? And so they have to react as if the ball is being handed off. And then as soon as they see that the quarterback's keeping it, then you got to make sure that you're in your drop and, and uh, have your coverage assignments. So uh, that's the reason why play action can be important. But um, I, I, th I thought that was really interesting. So you know they're going to rely on Saquon Barkley, but the play action part uh, I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And then when you look at their – when you look at the Cowboys' secondary – especially through the year last year, uh, the number two corner was somebody to pick on. But that's something, that's a position that's been shored up with a Stephon Gilmore. So then you also say to yourself, okay, yeah, play action might work, it might be great, but do I want to throw, like, I think, I think that Micah said it today. It's like, teams are going to have to face the music. They're going to have to face the music of the fact that, hey, maybe, maybe teams going into games are just going to try to attack 
play action and uh, attack the front seven because I don't know how much they're going to be wanting to just throw the ball all over the field with that secondary being improved the way that it is. Got a healthy Malik Hooker back there too. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think the players are aware that teams are going to try to run against them. I will say I was incredibly encouraged by what we've seen in camp from the run defense, especially the interior with Hankins being there. But then also, too, when you look at the 49ers game, when you when you go back, obviously I know it's a whole new year, but you've been you look you were looking for those improvements from the run game. They were dominant against the run. With I mean, Christian McCaffrey looked like he wants to go home a couple times. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just keep it for, keep it real. So if they keep that same intensity and that same style going into this year, I think they found things to improve upon in the run game, run defense. It's going to be difficult to score on this defense, and so I think a lot of that. It's just seeing how people want to try to attack them. But I think it's going to be a lot more difficult than what people think because you got some sideline-to-sideline guys and some, some real speed on that defensive line to kind of contain and keep things at bay. Absolutely. And we're going to get into all of our key matchups kind mm-hmm. of more – uh, in detail tomorrow. So very exciting stuff. I know Aisha's going to watch some film I'm tonight. Uh, I know we're going to do some studying, some digging on the giant side of things. We're going to have uh, some insight there for tomorrow's episode as well. But real quick, ladies, before we wrap up the show, to give people a little, I guess, teaser of something you're looking forward to really dissecting in this game, what is that? And we'll talk about it tomorrow, but what is an aspect of the Cowboys game Maybe it's from their reputation or just something that was kind of a loose end at the end of the season. What is something you want to dissect a little bit more into that tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, improving the run defense. They did finish strong against Mm -hmm. McCaffrey, but that's, yeah, that's a thing there. And then um, I'm really interested, and we'll talk about this a lot tomorrow, but how the Giants plan to utilize Darren Waller. Uh, Cowboys offense, (laughs) you know, I— I can't wait to see Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I just can't wait. And then how are they going to utilize Deuce Vaughn? Because mm-hmm. he's going to get some touches. Mine is just, I think I mentioned it yesterday, tempo, tendencies, how how they get Dak into a rhythm. Just the, the difference is I'm going to be dissecting the differences in how the offense is run under Mike McCarthy and just how they like to set the tone and what that looks like. And so that's that's something I'm extremely excited about seeing this year. Beautiful. I'm excited to see how the tight ends get more involved, whether it be in the pass game or the block game. I think blocking is going to be a huge asset uh, of this tight end group, a big group of guys. I mean, I forget how tall they are when they're not sitting in their locker and they stand up. They're big. still taller than Jess when they're sitting at their locker. They still are. They're they're huge humans. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm excited to see how they're utilized more within this Mike McCarthy uh, playbook and, you know, kind of what that looks like. So You made a good that. point. I, I wanted to say Jess made a good point as we were kind of looking at some of the statistics mm. from last year. And this is something that's carried over from even when Jarwin and Schultz where the usage of the tight ends against the Giants mm-hmm. takes an uptick. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I don't know if it's how they play defense. If that is a I'll, I'll go look tonight and see if that is like a, a weak point maybe in their defense because you can see in the numbers that mm-hmm. Peyton Hendershot had one of his best games against him. Don Schultz had one. It's like there's there's something there that I'm going to go tackle that just brought to my attention that I think matters. Might see these tight ends used a little bit more than what we initially thought on this game. Yeah, and they, yeah. they've got to change personnel-wise 
sacrifice the Giants do at safety, losing Ju- uh, Julian Love, mm-hmm. who was so good for That's them. Right. Adoree Jackson then, coming down in the coming slot. Coming down, right. and then they got a Karake now mm-hmm. uh, at, at linebacker. So it, this isn't going to be same old giants that nope. we've seen the last few years. So. And not to mention that they broke their dry streak of not making the playoffs. And and guess where they ended up last year. Oh, so yeah. they're not an opponent to count out by any means. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a really great game. We're going to get more into details of it tomorrow. All things Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Sunday Night Football. We're breaking it all down for you on Girls Talk, Boys Talk tomorrow. But for today, that is all the time we have. Ladies, I love doing this with y'all. Y'all know that. Uh, we love... All of you guys, the nice comments, the not nice comments, we love them all, so keep them coming. Uh, we're going to open the text line tomorrow, so make sure to stay on alert for that. Text us all your questions, shoot us messages, whatever, with questions. Until then, guys, have a great rest of your day. For Christy Scales, Aisha Morrison, Jessica Barris, we'll be back here tomorrow with more Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Go be fantastic today, and carpe omnia. <laughs> This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!